I'm Rebecca Malatke-Meslin, and welcome to Finding Common Ground, a show on Naperville Community Television focused on important current events and how they impact our diverse population. We are many voices of one community, often with strong opinions on every side of an issue. And I'm Dana Davenport. At the 2021 inauguration in Washington, D.C., President Biden said, to restore the soul and to secure the future of America requires more than words. It requires the most elusive of things in a democracy, unity, bringing America together, uniting our people and uniting our nation. He asked every American to join him in the cause, uniting to fight the common foes we face, anger, resentment, hatred, extremism, lawlessness, violence, disease, joblessness, hopelessness. And with unity, we can do great things, important things. We can right wrongs. History, faith, and reason show the way, the way of unity. We can see each other not as adversaries, but as neighbors. Here, through courageous local conversations in Naperville, in the interest of discovering collaborative solutions, we hope to help you find your common ground. Joining us for this conversation is the mayor of Naperville, Steve Cherico, Ron Amato Esquire, an attorney who has been very involved in several local nonprofits, Sally Joshi, NNU PDAC Chair 204, Parent Diversity Advisory Council Chair, Aaron Wickstrom, Financial Advisor, CFP AIF, and Janice Skyder, Chair, Health Committee, DuPage County NAACP. Thank you all so much for joining us. America United is the theme of the new presidency. What is your reaction to that theme? Well, after the past uh, year of you know, going through a pandemic and going through you know, social unrest and going through you know, uh, watching social media and, and how nasty it can get, I think that uh, coming together is going to mean, mean a lot for a lot of different people. I think it's a great idea. I look forward to seeing what that'll look like once we can, uh, you know, bootstrap and work towards it. I'm just interested to see what that really means, not only on a national level, but at local level, too. I agree. I think um, there needs to be a strong message of unification at every level. Um, our leadership in government, our education system, our businesses, our community, uh, we all have a role to play in America United. And I think we have a lot of work to do. So it's not simply just saying um, that we want to be united. It's the actual actions that are going to make a difference. I think it does start at the top, though. You know, it's, and I was and I would certainly agree with that. I've, if there's anything we have learned, it's that leadership matters. Um, and it flows down. And sometimes what flows down can be very, very good. And sometimes it cannot be. As far as that whole unity thing, I think we have to understand that this is a long-term commitment because there are a lot of hurt feelings out there. There's a lot of misunderstanding. And how we achieve unity, it's going to take a, a, a desire, a commitment to want unity. Now, perhaps the greater question is, do we really want 
unity and what does that look like to different people? Well, and I would just say, I, I think, unfortunately, the country is uh, very divided right now. And, uh, you know, what's going on on the federal level has kind of trickled down to a certain degree into local politics as well. And I, I think, uh, you know, in my view, I think people do want to come together. And, you know, and I don't think people are real comfortable with the notion of our country being so divided uh, indefinitely. I want to talk about that polarization because we saw the inauguration and then even just weeks prior, you know, in the same location, so much hatred and, and polarization as well. And so we thought about, I think a lot of people recalled local events that happened in, in our community over the summer last year. Um, you know, how does that, how does that resonate with you? Do you? Are we seeing things play out on the national level and then be reflected um, in our community locally? It seems like, and, and this is probably not so unusual historically speaking, but it seems like the extremes have really um, shown up. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of times they're, they're in society, but they don't feel emboldened enough to uh, come out and and show themselves, and I'm I'm not you know I'm talking about political right or political left. Uh, the edges of our sort of ideologies uh, can can behave in such a way that uh, doesn't really fit into our social norms, right. and but normally they they aren't so uh, they don't feel so comfortable coming out in public, mm-hmm. but it seems like right now, you know, that's what's happening. Right. Well, and it's, it was such an extreme year, right? Like we had a massive pandemic, which put our health in jeopardy, but it also put our relationships in jeopardy. I can't tell you how many friends that I spoke with that suddenly you question whether the health practices of another friend. And then you have the the social issues that, that unfolded. And then you're saying, you're not just questioning how your neighbor or friend is taking care of their health, but how do they view other people? And how do they view you and and what are their thoughts? And and so it was a year of extremes, a year of uh, security blankets seemingly coming unraveled at the seams every turn you took. And so naturally you get that polarization and that headbutting that takes place. And with that headbutting, with that polarization comes just explosive results. And so we all are now in 2021 hoping for something new, hoping for unity, hoping that this polarization will just fizzle away. But I think we would be naive to think that it'll go that fast, that it'll just, we talked about it. We had a great speech about it, but now what, you know, because I think we all celebrated December 31st, 2020 and said, woo, 2020 is gone. And maybe had a little bit of too much optimism on what 21 would bring. And so that polarization thing, it's its still there. And I don't think it'll be indefinite, but I also don't think it'll be fixed in, in four years or in eight years even. Um, I, I think it's gonna take a lot more than that. I guess what I meant was I think those extreme views are always with us. They're always out there. Um, we just don't always see them. And so back to um, Jan's comment about you know, is our country ready to unite? You know, I, I don't think that the edges of our country want to unite, honestly. I think their views are their views, and they are um, 
you don't want to use the word radicalized, but I mean, some of these people are radicalized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I don't think that they want to unite. And so, but I don't know that that's ever going to change and ever has been different in the past. It's, it's, it's the rest of the country uh, that normally gets along uh, and is, you know, civil and respectful of one another, even though we have differences. Uh, it's that part of the country. Are they ready to unite? We've talked about what a, a difficult year the pandemic caused for, for those interpersonal relationships. Um, and one thing we want to talk about a little bit is social media, because to Mary Chorko's point, you know, people are very emboldened to share their views. And, and social media is one of those places, right? What do we call it? Courageous thumbs, um, where, where folks are saying things on social media maybe they wouldn't normally say to a person's face. But yet at the same time during the pandemic, we saw that was a way to connect. So, so what are your all thoughts on, you know, the, the ills and the, the positives of social media and how they might help us with, uh, with bringing that unity? I think there's a balance when it comes to social media. I I truly believe that a lot of social media can be used for good. I mean, it has toppled governments um, that should have been toppled. It has um, uh, for civil rights movements around the country, for human rights movements around the world. There is a lot of good to it. But there's a personal responsibility that comes with it. Um, You know, one of the things that... um, just as an example, in Naperville is the Naperville Kindness Network. Um, it's a page that uh, Mayor Cherko, um had suggested, and a few of us are admins on him. I'm one of the admins. And whenever we post something there that the community needs, the latest example were blankets for COVID patients in the hospital. We literally, within weeks, got hundreds of them. And we wouldn't have been able to do that just by putting it out, you know, in a text to our friends. It was because of social media. But I think you also have to have a responsibility of um, filtering what you're reading on social media. Read voraciously. That's one thing I've learned during the pandemic that I've had a t- that the time to do is to read different perspectives of different authors, different news sources, watch different TV channels, and then think about it and make up your mind. I, I think just following one quick 30-second um, title on, on social media is, is not really the way to do it. But, but Sally, what you said was, what you did was intentional. Yes. And that takes a certain intellect because there are too many people on social media who simply read a headline mm-hmm. and they believe what the headline says, not understanding the purpose of the headline is to generate clicks. It's not necessarily to just to tell the truth, but to generate clicks. So people click, people share without verifying the information that they're sharing is accurate information. So when we get to a place where we intentionally mm-hmm. understanding there are harms caused by the continued passing of, of erroneous stories or information, then I think we might see a change. But until that behavior uh, is re- that the, the behavior of just clicking and passing and believing uh, becomes different, um, we we might be in this a little bit longer. Very true. Well, and I think social media does does provide a platform, unfortunately, for 
people who are kind of on the fringe on the on the left or on the right who want to who want to engage with other people and, and argue with other people and you know that's certainly one of the negative things about social media and uh you know like sally said though i think there are some very positive aspects of so social media and the good thing is a lot of people who are on social media are a little bit more moderate and they, they you know they want to use it as a platform to to connect with other people and find out about what's going on in the community and, and kind of look at the more positive uh, aspects of using social media you know jan i'm not i i think that you, you mentioned until our behavior will change and i think that you know, if you look at any industry, uh, going back into you know into you know a couple hundred years in the United States, that uh, has come about uh, until regulation uh, applied to that industry, there was a lot of abuse, whether it be environmental abuse, human rights, uh, labor. Uh, you you'd look at all these different industries throughout time that uh, developed in our country, and um, you'll you'll see that a lot of regulation had to be wrapped around those industries to protect the public. And right now, that's happening with social media. Uh, it's happening before our eyes. The government's coming in, and they're saying, hey, look, it, certain things are not going to be allowed anymore, and we're going to hold you responsible. And uh, so they're going to have to clean it up because uh, it's not just people's behaviors. It's what's allowed. And, and we have an unregulated industry right now, and that means that people can misbehave, and they will. Do you think I I'm a user of social media, but very passively. So moving myself aside, you know, I log in, I want to see puppies and babies, right? Uh, and if I don't, I turn it off. But the more that I've been in the social media world, and, and I'm, I'm a millennial, so like I have grown up in the social media. That has been part of my entire adult life, pretty much, uh, from MySpace to now, which there's so many different platforms. I'm becoming more and more anti-social media because I think social media has made people, um, I think it's really created a lot of this polarization. I think, well, I know that your newsfeed, whatever app you're using, is specifically designed based on what you look for. You know, uh, your phone, your devices actually are trained. The, the algorithm within the device is trained to generate content that you're going to like, uh, much like what, what Janice was saying, the, the clickbait, right? The, the things that you're going to click. And so what you're getting is people more and more cemented into their stances. So going off what Steve was saying earlier is that a lot of these people are going to live there. You know, and, and social media really helped get them there. And so I'm becoming increasingly anti-social media where I, I, the amount of time I spend on there, post on there, and even go on to see other people's stuff is much less because what I'm seeing from others is, is unkind. Uh, I'm seeing divisiveness. Uh, I'm seeing that we're ultimately the user and so we're the product that's being pushed. You know, the users are the product being pushed on social media. There's no other, it's a, it's a free service. So how do they get paid, right? They get paid from advertisers. And so I, I, social media, I think, has to go through some massive evolutions, uh, a lot more accountability on what they do. Uh, and in the meantime, 
I, I just encourage, especially, you know, I'm raising little ones and there's other people raising little ones. Be very mindful of that because it, I think it's a dangerous, I think it's a dangerous tool. If not, you I, I would agree with you. And especially you millennials. Okay. <laughs> who are raising little ones. Uh, my grandson called me, a, he calls me the boomer. <laughs> I'm like, that's not nice. Okay. <laughs> but I, I, I want to tag on that and talk about the, uh, the, the unkind things and unkind words that people say without, with, without taking into account what that is doing, especially during a pandemic when we are physically distant from each other, what is the emotional and mental toll mm -hmm. that people are, are feeling because of some of the unkind things that strangers are saying to them in response to sometimes some of the unkind things they are saying uh, via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or whatever. If, if I may just pivot a little bit, I, I have an 11-year-old grandson, which makes me a boomer, okay? And he said to me um, the morning after the, elect, after the inauguration, he said, I feel like a weight has just fallen off my back. This is an 11-year-old, sixth-grade child. And I thought, or yes, yeah, sixth grade, I thought, what child at 11 years old should feel, because of our body politic, that kind of burden for what's going on in our country? And, and I think that's what a lot of the adults are missing here. Our children are listening to us. Our children are paying attention to us and they're feeding off of our energy. If our energy is negative, they feed off of that. If it's positive, they feed off of that. So we have to be mindful of what we are living because children learn what they live, right? We all agree to that. We have to be mindful of what our children are witnessing because the pandemic is taking an emotional and a mental toll, not just on the adults, but on the children as well. That's true. And if it could only just be puppies and babies, um, yeah. this world would be a better place. I unfriended, One I of unfriended the, Aaron a few months ago, so I wouldn't even know what she was <laughs> One of the things that, that was said earlier by Mayor Cherico was um, how the government has taken a stand and has stepped up to to say it's not okay when when certain things get out of hand, when things are meant to incite um, particularly when people are harmed physically and including lives being lost. Um, what can we all do, um, either individually, um, collectively, whether it be social media or just out in public, um, to take a stand in, in, in many ways that the government has um, to, to call out either things that are untrue, uh, things that are unkind, uh, some sort of a kindness movement, um, because like uh, Janice said, kids are watching, uh, people are watching, and things are on a stage or a microscope in ways that they haven't been before, simply because people have time, because they're at home or they're social distanced. Um, so what are some of the things that you would recommend or that you've done yourself um, that we can all kind of play a, a, a role and a part uh, in supporting one another and promoting the kindness and the unity 
uh, that I think we all need. Empathy and compassion is needed um, to, to deal with what is going on right now. There's a lot of people in pain, um, all kinds of pain, whether it's mental pain, economic pain, um, you know, domestic violence, um, all kinds of issues, uh, uh, food insecurity. So we have to also step back sometimes and see why they're saying what they're saying, you know, um, and, and try to understand it. And there's a balance between trying to understand it and advocating for justice. Um, you know, when you see hate or when you see injustice, you absolutely have to put yourself out there and not be a bystander and say, no, you cannot say this. Just like we teach our children, when you see somebody being bullied, tell them to stop. You know, say something to someone. It's no different for adults either. You know, if you see someone being bullied or if you see someone being trolled, take a stand and tell them to stop. But then at the same time, there are appropriate times when you have to shift a little bit and say, why is this person doing what they're doing and why are they in so much pain? And then if you have a relationship with that person, that's when you really have a moment where you can intentionally connect with them and say, is there something I can do to help? Is there something that you need or a resource we can point you to? And oftentimes they open up and they say, you know, you are the first person that has asked me that. You're the first person that has really wanted to listen to why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's, you know, it, it, it is something I think that we have to intentionally do. Well, and I was going to say, I mean, I think a big part of it is is leading by example. I mean, I have two kids, and I try to lead by example. And a, a big part of it is just teaching them to be respectful to everyone. And, you know, even if someone you don't necessarily agree with their political views, um, that doesn't mean that you can't be friends with them. I, I have friends uh, across the political spectrum, and there are different events or, or nonprofits and things that we that we get together and rally behind and that that brings us together and you know it's things like that events uh you know nonprofit events things of that nature that will help to bring people together together from across the political spectrum and make them feel like they're part of the community when i think we have to so the kindness movement you know is is what you're you mentioned i think we have to also not put it all on the shoulders of our government because that's only going to go so far. And so speaking just in the business community, because that's what that's what I tend to know, I think business leaders can be more intentional about the conversation and about creating actions that are deliberate steps on incorporating kindness and, and what you would probably call social governance within their organizations on a smaller scale. You know, uh, there's big companies that do it, that do social governance and, and environmentally conscientious things. And uh, we can do that also on a smaller business level. And I have seen that starting to happen actually as a result of 2020. So, you know, as much as I can, you know, put down social media, it has actually helped propel a bigger discussion on how we can have more more intentionality in our business practices and including this kindness movement and just kind of echoing what 
other things have been said, the lead by example more is caught than taught, right? So uh, a lot of us, I, I know on this call on this call alone, are in uh, different philanthropic organizations. So uh, whether that's like Naperville Junior Women's Club, uh, Lions Club, uh, uh, Kiwanis, all these different organizations also are all about just being there and providing resources and pushing forward kindness and benevolence in the community. And I think those organizations, it is like prime time to get out there and have things that are proactive for people to do. So getting the message out there that there's opportunities to do good, even in a pandemic year. And Naperville may be at an advantage to lead that kindness movement. Um, but we have to be, again, very deliberate or intentional in our efforts. We have to be very consistent in, in how we move forward, uh, especially ethically when we're in positions to affect policy. Um, I mean, I've lived here like 35, 36 years, and I, I would say it's a very... Um, it, it has, for the most part, been a very loving community for me, okay? I've, I've had some great relationships with different people, and, at the, and just recently I have seen a side of some people that really surprised me, okay? And you have, I have to wonder, at least, since they have revealed this very extreme side of themselves, how do, how do they rectify that now? And we talk about, you know, going back to talking about unity and healing, there may be times when the person does not want to do the kumbaya with you. So do you then make the decision to just leave them to themselves? I mean, we can ask, are you okay? But if they don't want to be a participant in that healing, where do you take that? Kindness, empathy, and respect, these are what we'll need as we unite as a community. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back after the short break. For a fun way to spend a day or night out this winter, head to downtown Naperville where you can enjoy great shopping from national favorites to one-of-a-kind boutiques. Enjoy more than 50 restaurants for carry-out, delivery, and safe dining. Relax in one of our many spas. And for a night away, don't forget about Hotel Indigo located right on the Riverwalk. Come shop, dine, and have fun safely in downtown Naperville.
Welcome back to Finding Common Ground, where we are talking about America United and how it applies to us locally here in Naperville. One of the things about bringing people together and moving forward, despite all the things that we've gone through lately, is accountability, forgiveness, compassion, and empathy. What tools do you have particularly in, in your professions and the way you interact with people as leaders in our community, what tools do you have, what advice can you offer people uh, who are looking to make an apology, mend a fence, own a situation, and make things better and move forward? Because I think a lot of times people have just lost their cool, run out of patience, maybe said the wrong thing, and that's one way we can men fences and and fix some of the polarization that our community has experienced so often you hear someone uh give an apology and then it, you know it's followed with the word but right. and that's not an apology <laughs> yep. but uh quite often that's what we hear and so it's uh, the art of an apology is is really uh is you know it's, it's much deeper than that what i was going to mention I, I was involved in a situation on social media a while back where you know, things got a little heated, and I actually did apologize offline uh, to, to the other person. And, you know, I think it's really important to remember, you know, everyone's not going to agree on everything 100% of the time, and it's okay to have, you know, good-natured, spirited debate. But you have to respect the other person, and you have to try to avoid making ad hominem-type attacks and making it personal. And, you know, you, you can disagree without being disagreeable, as they say. And I, I really think it's important for people to try to live by that, you know, as they're out in the community. And you can have good nature debates with, with folks, but you have to be respectful. Well, and conversation's the only way that we're going to get anywhere with unity. So having those spirited debates are actually good, in my opinion. I think it's I think it's good to have open dialogue. Um, unfortunately, we've, we've kind of entered, entered an era where if you don't agree with everything, that means you can't be friends. But I don't believe in that. I, I have lots of friends who I have totally opposite perspectives with, but we have great conversations. And what I always encourage clients is I say, keep your eyes on the horizon. You know, a lot of times you'll hit different mile markers that are going to stumble you up and you're going to want to stop there. But if you just keep your eyes on the horizon, things have a way of leveling themselves out. And so it's having those strategic conversations, being intentional, like we've talked about this whole segment, but also just keeping the long-term vision in mind that ultimately we're all in this together. You know, what I'm finding is often people form opinions based on information that just isn't true. Yes. And what I have tried to do when I'm uh, using social media is give them the facts. Uh, and I, I had a situation just a few days ago where there was a discussion about the uh, the crime bill that uh, is going to go before the governor, I, I'm, I don't know when, but there was the misinformation that the bill just sort of slipped through and it was voted on in the middle of the night. And I just began explaining to this man that anyone it's who understands how a bill 
the process that a bill goes through to even get to a vote, we'll have to know nobody walk, you know, no state legislator walks into the room and says, I have this bill. And 12 hours later, the bill passes. It doesn't work that way. And once I, I just, for some reason that day, and I think because he seemed open to, to really receive good information. Once I explained to him how the process works, he actually thanked me. He really didn't know. And, and I think we have to be careful that we not put information, and this, this goes back to where we began, that we not put information out there because there are really, there are people out there who don't understand certain processes in our government. So they look to those who are well-known in the community and they just believe what they say. So um, maybe it starts there. If we're going to say something, let's make sure what we say is the truth. Let's not, you know, create our own facts, especially about processes. And that's where social media is really a good thing, because we can have these debates. I happen to have a different view than Janice on this particular item. And so um, and you do have to look at the facts and you just look at, um, you know, the realities. And but we interpret things differently, as, we, as I can see just by the comments that were just made. And so this is something that's important that we're able to have a discussion on uh, in a respectful manner. And we can come to, you know, reasonable minds can differ. We can come to different conclusions. Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, a, person's character, a person's character has to be brought up or anything like that. As, as Ron, you were saying earlier, when people start to lower themselves, you know, personal attacks, that's when, that's when it all falls, falls apart very quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think and you oh. asked what tools are available, and I think sometimes, um, particularly in this group, all of us are in leadership positions, so we are not shy about talking or giving our opinion. But I sometimes have to pull myself back and remember that I am often there to listen. And I think that's an incredibly important tool, is to not always go straight to debating, but to just listen to the people that are talking to you. And and that's one thing I started during the pandemic at the Parent Diversity Advisory Council, is having, having listening sessions where we literally had hundreds of people coming on a call, and I would give each person two minutes to just listen to them. We didn't comment at all until like 90 minutes later when we said, wow. Now we know what we what work we have to do. And we learn so much from that. Um, you know, one quote, uh, my, my son has been here this first semester. So one of the silver linings is that I'm learning what he's learning in college. And he took a class on James Baldwin. And there was a quote that really resonated with me. It said, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. Yeah. So I think that to me, um, is, is a very, very important ideal, is that don't shy away from controversy. Uh, you know, keep the doors open for conversation. Uh, do your own self-reflection on how you are a partner uh, in that conversation, but then also take the time to listen to the partner that you are arguing with. Well, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, listening is very important. And, you know, one thing I've learned from being an attorney is oftentimes there are good arguments to be made on both sides of, of an issue. So sometimes it just takes a person to, to step back and kind of look at things more objectively. And, you know, maybe they'll be able to find common ground easier. 
as we uh, close out this episode, one of the things that we want to ask you all is to think about what what becomes of our city and what becomes of our nation if we don't find that unity, if we don't all make a concerted effort together to become a united America. We will. I think we will as well. I agree with Steve. Um, I think we are in general, very good people, um, and particularly Naperville, it has given so many of us so many opportunities that many of us want to give back. But again, we have to face our challenges. We cannot shy away from them. We have to realize that they are real, they are out there, they need to be validated, and we need to work on them. And that might be our common ground, is that we recognize the challenges are there, and we collectively work to mitigate those challenges and, and close the gap so that we are a more unified community. And I, you know, I think a lot of you know, people, especially recently, I've heard a couple of our former presidents say this just in the last week, that we all have a lot more in common than, we have, than differences. And so, you know, everybody wants to, you know, be able to raise their children and their family in a safe environment. You want to have, you know, food that's clean and healthy and safe. And you want to live in a safe neighborhood. And there's a lot of things that we all can very easily agree on. And uh, you start there. You know, you start there. Well, the the cost of not uniting is too great. The, The cost of not coming together would just cause, again, that further division. We've already seen this huge polarization and, and, it would just get worse from there. You see, you then see people in uh, division over the smallest things. It'll just get more intense. And so the cost is too great. And where there's too great of a cost, I agree with with everyone here to say we're going to be we're going to be pushed towards unity. Uh, it's going to mean swallowing our pride in some things, and it's going to mean finding the areas where we can agree. And then letting things go, you know, having grace with each other and and letting each other be clumsy because we just we're all human. We're all fallible. Right. Uh, We're not going to get everything exactly correct. And just having that humility, that grace and, and that understanding that the cost of of division is too great. I think that's that's where we go. I like that you said grace, (laughs) because grace sort of ushers in civility. And I think a lot, that's what's been, one of the things that's been missing is that respect and civility. Uh, Again, um, we all agree that we don't have to always agree with each other, but giving that grace to others to express themselves and accepting that in a civil way And I know I'm going to bring this in now because we talked about it on the break, understanding the burden of holding things in. And and, and this goes into that allostatic load that we all have to deal with. And and when we don't deal with it in an appropriate way, it causes our bodies, our immune systems especially, to start to break down. So we have a lot to win. We have a lot 
to lose. And we have to decide, are we winners or are we losers? And if for no other reason, we have a lot of children out there who are looking up to us, who need us to lead, to guide, inform, and motivate them. So we cannot allow Naperville, okay, to not come together because we have a whole generation of young people who need us to lead the way, including my grandchildren, okay? <laughs> All three of them. Well, and I will say on that note, I mean, I, I think in, in Naperville, we have such a great community and we have so much to be proud of. And and people really do have more in common, I think, than they realize. Um, you know, they, people on both sides of the political spectrum really want what's what's best for Naperville. And it's just a matter of, you know, working to, to, to find common ground and, and having civil discussions with one another. And I think eventually we'll, we'll gravitate kind of in the direction where, you know, we're not going to be as, as divided as we have been. And I think we get there by listening. We talked about listening. A lot of people operate out of fear. And you can elevate your understanding if you take the time to listen and find empathy in ways that you can connect with people who don't look like you, hear what they have to say, try to see things from a different perspective, and practice that compassion and grace. Thank you to our guests who joined us here today for such an important conversation on bringing our community together, bringing our country together, and moving forward in a 2021 that we are so excited about um, all of the possibilities of just being a united community, a united front, making things better than they were yesterday. That is how we find common ground. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.